Hello, and welcome to the Monroe Community Players <laughs> Podcast, featuring the Green Room Groupies. Every other week or so, we'll be talking about the art and business of theater with a focus on the issues facing amateur and community theater. Today's groupies in the Green Room are Brian Burchette Ross, Robert Yeoman, and me, David War. Just so you know who we are, let's go around the room and introduce ourselves, shall we? Brian? Hi. <laughs> I'm Brian Burchett Ross. I have been, uh, let's see, I started with players in 1984, uh, been in and out, and um, happy to still be part of this wonderful organization. Excellent. Bob? Uh, my name is Robert Yeoman. I have been involved with Monroe Community Players since 1983, 82. Um, I have been a director. I have been an actor. I have been an art director. I have written skits that we've performed. And once again, I have played with Monroe Community Players, Bedford Community Players, The Croswell and Adrian. And I think that's just about it now. Great. And I'm David War, um, current president of Monroe Community Players. Um, my history goes back as far as Bob's does in terms of players. We were in both the same show together at the same time the philadelphia story i think i believe it was 1983 january when it went up um i've been the past president i am a past president of the community theater association of michigan i consider myself an actor but i've also directed produced uh, barely choreographed um, <laughs> written a couple plays of which i've had the good fortune to see produced including outside of uh, my theater group the community players and i've also formed with a couple other groups in the area as well so together we probably have like two three hundred years of experience at this table with only the three of us so uh we thought that gave us the right to talk about theater <laughs> it does and we had access to you know podcast equipment so that's the important part right there um but before we uh get too boring or that we may have already crossed that threshold but for the couple of you who <laughs> remained i think let's get down to our topic for today which i think for our first podcast has to be the obvious one has COVID killed local theater? Oh, I've been I've been sitting here waiting to know what it what the what you didn't the, get a script. I didn't I did not get the script. I'm gonna have to ad lib this. This is part of the death of theater when scripts are not delivered on time. <laughs> yes, or at all, or at all. It's trying to keep it fresh. Oh, okay. but but I know I'm a community players, and I'm sure almost every other theater group, especially the amateur and the local theaters, have just been struggling. Um, how do you do performances when you can't bring an audience in? Uh, many groups, of course, have resorted to online performances, um, but then you're competing with another whole group of uh, medium, I think, or uh, media, um, because what can you present as a local theater that they can't already get on a streaming platform or through a network television show? Mm -hmm. um, how do you compete with that? Um, how, do you, how do you make your show stand out, especially when I think part of the whole thing of live theater is that you're in the same room with the actors. And also I think it's important to remember that community theater means you don't have professionals involved. You have community members, which means you have mom, dad, grandpa, grandma. And that's one thing that we have that nobody else does is that we have community participation. Everyone, everybody would like to see Aunt M do the tap dance that she's going to do in the show. <laughs> little Susie is up for a second little girl in Annie. We all have to go to it. So that's one advantage I think community theaters do have. They have 
let's face it, little kids brings them in. Yep. And that's one thing we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 but do you lose that when you have to go to a online media? Yeah, I don't think so. Is it still going to be, Mommy, did you watch me when I did my somersault? <laughs> Why, of course, you say lying to your child. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely gone the way of video since yes. since COVID as well. So, but I think the I think the parents and grandparents and all of them are going to spend the money to see the kid one way or the other. But if it's everybody coming over to Grandma's house to watch Little Susie's show, yeah, the business end is you were getting six tickets. Now you're selling one ticket. Yeah, absolutely. And it's still it's just makes the death a little bit longer. Yeah. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, one, uh, I'm curious because, uh, um, you know, again, uh, like a lot of arts organizations in general, uh, you know, the margins are so thin to start with. Um, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, we get wrench each week, you know, we're doing pretty good, um, but you suddenly throw a monkey wrench into the works where you're not getting that, that ticket price. Mm-hmm. Um, you're depending much more on your sponsors, your um, your benefactors, and things like that. So I, I can imagine a lot of smaller groups just just are frankly floundering um, if they are still around. And I, I know that I believe was raised to me by a, um, another member of the Community Theater Association was saying, you know, they're afraid that we've lost a lot of groups and don't even realize it yet. And I was going to ask you, as, as being a member of that, what has been the 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 latest scuttlebutt on that. I mean, how are the the other uh, community theater groups in Michigan doing? Has anybody is anybody back to full um, performances again? You know, I, I have not checked. I do know that in our region, which happens to be Southeast Michigan, Northwest Ohio, for those of you who may be listening elsewhere in the world, um, the Toledo Repertory Theater, um, they, for example, just had to postpone their performance of Something Rotten. Um, they've been planning it for quite some time, but unfortunately they had some cast members test positive for COVID. And so I believe what I saw in the email is that they are basically postponing for another week. Yeah. Um, so they won't open until a week later. Um, you know, that may be our new reality for trying to have a live theater is that, you know, if something happens, you got to be prepared to be flexible and to change your plans. Um, do you think it might usher in a new wave of, no, we really do need uh, replacement actors? Uh, I forgot the term. Uh, understudies. understudies. Yeah. And understudies would be a lot more important within this time of COVID. Yeah, and typically, Definitely. at least in my experience, I don't know if you've seen other, other things, Bob, you've been in many other groups, um, you, the community theaters don't have understudies. Mm-mm. Because we're not like Broadway, we aren't running shows for potentially weeks and weeks on end. Right, you got six, maybe eight shows to do. You're done. Yeah. Um, you know, to have an understudy for that, who's not guaranteed to go on, that that's a difficult person to cast. Right. Yes, especially since you don't you don't know if they're gonna you don't know you're gonna go on. Do I want to be an understudy? Learn all these lines, learn all that blocking, and then just sit there and watch. It it almost has to be. Do you have? people who are playing the same part and you say okay this weekend you do it this weekend you do it and i know we uh, that was done with bedford and with croswell though it wasn't done while i was with the groups they said they had three casts of um juvenile actors for their production of joseph at one point wow because you got a lot of kids with joseph yes yeah 
Well, and I recall when um, we direct when I when I directed Beauty and the Beast with Mineral Community Players, I had two chips, mm-hmm. um, and part of that was because the what people don't understand is a time commitment to community theater, um, and that was simply for it didn't want to pull the kids out of you know, basically from their schoolwork and stuff. So sure. we actually broke it into parts, um, so that we actually had uh, two people, and and in theory it meant less rehearsal time, but I don't think in reality it really did. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we had one one weekend, one the other weekend. It just seemed to help out that way. And I think it really had more to do with their other school activities on the weekends. Yeah, definitely. That makes sports sports and things like that. It it really wasn't about rehearsals. It was about the performance dates. But but with the three Joseph cast, that 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 sounds very difficult to me to manage. No, to be honest, when we did it with just two in Monroe, when they directed it, it was actually easier. Because everybody learned everything at one time. And then when we were halfway through, we went, okay, you, 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 you are now a star. You, 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 you are now gold. So when we do the performances, gold or star. And it split up. So everybody had a chance to be on Saturday night. Everybody had a chance to be on Sunday where their family normally showed up. It equalized things. It didn't. It took the pressure off of a lot of kids too. Yeah. Would that be? Would it be as easy for uh, to do that in a drama, say, in a in a in a Shakespeare or a, any kind of drama, where you've got uh, or a comedy where you've got a lot of maybe physical humor and stuff to 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 have two or three uh, to have two actors like two leads learning at the same time i mean does that wouldn't that double your time to to of blocking especially uh take for instance what was that show we did where the 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 set spun noises off noises off my character had that scene where where he ran up uh, off the balcony and then rolled down the steps and fell if you had two actors in that part then you're you're Training two actors or teaching two actors, and you're hoping both of them don't break Break their back and fall. (laughs) Yeah, which was incredible that you survived those falls the way you did them. I, but the, but my question is, does that make does that make longer for longer rehearsals? Because you now you're you're doing it with two instead of one actor. That's a. I think that's a good question. I don't think so. If it would be up to me as a director, it'd be like, okay, Russell. You're going to be here this week, Bertram. You're going to be here the opposite week. Okay. We're still doing the same rehearsal. You're still getting the same instruction, and you're both getting the time that you need. If you don't have the time that you need, then the, it would be the responsibility of the director to make sure that there is an extra rehearsal with so-and-so and the lead actress or the lead actress with so-and-so. But I think technically it could be done, should it be done? I don't think so. No? No. I think that's a recipe for disaster. But just my opinion. Well, and, and somehow the professional theater, they deal with it all the time, and they have that figured out. But that's more sure. of a matter of uh, course, because, what, they're dark maybe one night a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is people get sick over the course of a year. Uh, sure. You have deaths in the family. Deaths, people, yeah. Touring companies, same kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, but a lot of that. them, a lot of them are. I, I 
you know, they, they are already in the show as a certain cast member, but they're also the backup. They're the for a lead of some sort as well, mm-hmm. depending. But then you've got to have a backup for that backup, too. Yeah. So. Well, and, and if we go back to our topic, you know, as COVID killed theater, um, what do you do if your lead comes down with COVID? Or yeah. frankly, comes down with anything that might keep them from being on the show. Um, without that understudy, uh, I have been in a performance uh, where, frankly, the uh, one of our leads got caught in traffic, of mm. all things, because, you know, coming from day jobs and things like that, and even though she left plenty of time, it was an accident on the highway, mm-hmm. could not get through. Um, and, you know, we ended up having to cancel the show because there was just no one else to go on in her place. And it wasn't her fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't the thought fault of anyone at the theater. It was just mm-hmm. the outside conditions. Now, were they um, prepared to go on, or I mean, did they did they know the lines of the person that was? Well, that's what I'm saying. Nobody nobody could take her place because oh, we had okay. no understudy, uh, um, which I think is a common problem in community theater. Yeah, I know one solution that has been used uh, for that is that you send out an experienced actor from your group with the script in hand yes and and we have done that actually i had to do that with charlie's hand and as long as you make it an announcement right up front that you've instantly won over the audience that night yeah because mm-hmm. you can't make a mistake because they are going to be behind you 300 percent yeah and, and actually, they do bob, root for you bob and i were in that same show when that happened um mm-hmm. uh, my parents were in the audience they didn't get to see me play the role that i prepared for but um, they saw me in a different role, the one that I actually wanted. <laughs> but but on the other hand, you're right. The audience had a different energy because every time you're blocking, they could they knew you didn't know where you're going. Sure, and it was we had two ladies leading him around the entire show. Like, oh no, Uncle Fester, you had to move over here. Stay <laughs> here. I will go get the newspaper that you'll put over there. Yeah. <laughs> very subtle. Very yeah, very subtle. subtle. But it, yeah. Good times. Well, and the other thing with with COVID though is also if one person comes down with it, your whole cast needs to be quarantined. Exactly. Yeah. So then, what do you do? I well, mean, and, and that's what, and then it's over. So the repertory ended up doing is they had to postpone their show. Right. But I think we as community theaters just have to remember this is possibilities, and we have to be ready to do that. Now, the good news is someone like the the rep um, Croswell, and frankly, now the community the community players. We have our own facilities because mm-hmm. if you are renting a high school gym or mm. a college theater, sure, you may not be able to just move it to the next weekend because there may be a, a dance school that's in there yeah. the next weekend, and, and you just don't have that opportunity. Yeah. You know, that's where having your own space certainly is is a huge benefit, but that's not available to a lot of local theaters. No, uh, not only that, but well, yeah, you're right, but. Well, no. In the end, still, even if you have your own place, there's still the the who's going to come and see a show if they know that you know three people have had COVID and been in this. Right. Well, yeah, I, I agree, but there's nothing you can do. You just have to postpone that show. Yeah, but you are right. Yeah. Well, as long you've got your own spot, so at least you can say, "Hey, we'll be back in two weeks. We don't have to." And also, reserve. the most wonderful thing about a program is the written statement on the bottom of the program: no refunds given. <laughs> That has saved us, and it literally has saved a lot of theaters in the area facing COVID, is that the reality was the show should have been postponed or canceled. People wanted their money back, and if the money back was given, 
it would have been the end of that theater. Yeah, and I think that's something a lot of people don't understand on the business side is, is you know, again, we're, we're operating on shoestrings here. Sure. Um, so it will, maybe we'll refund you in the sense that we're going to give you a ticket to another show. Yes, replace. Um, you know, move the show to another date, replace. But, yeah, um, the sad truth is once the money is in hand, yeah. it, very few groups can really afford to give that back because of the operating expenses. Exactly. Your ticket has gone to pay for the sofa covering. Your ticket has prices paid for this light bulb that is only available $75 a piece. Mm-hmm. And, and again, kind of going back on that, I, I don't think people also get that the ticket only pays, you know, maybe about 30, 40% of, of the theater's operating expenses. You know, the donors are so important. Uh, sure. Sponsorships. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're relying just on ticket sales, you're not going to make it as a theater group. Yeah, Definitely. And, but but taking that chunk away, you know, it's like a three-legged stool. You take one leg out, what happens? Yeah, you either learn how to balance, or, <laughs> or learn or how you to fall. roll, or learn how to roll downstairs gracefully. <laughs> yes, yep, exactly. I'll learn that someday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not hearing it out out loud, but I think we're we're kind of saying that obviously there's a lot of challenges in these COVID times, but it, it's no different than other theaters have gone through in the past. I mean, let's face it, the theater has survived the bubonic plague. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's survived typhoid. It's survived... Um, cats. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Cheap I'm sorry. shot. I, it was, cheap it was shot. a really cheap shot. I apologize to all uh, the cat fans out there. Yes. All um, the cats people you know, remember that was Brian Burchett. <laughs> yes. Um, but the theater has endured. Yes. Um, the question is whether any particular group will endure. Um, and so we can agree that, I think we can agree that the art form is not in danger even through all this. Um, oh, no. But, but the form it takes may, may have to shift and adjust for a short time. Well, and we have seen uh, in the last year with COVID uh, a lot of community theaters that have gone to uh, video and, and uh, you know, uh, putting their stuff on, you know, by through other uh, means of uh, mass right. communication. I, Everybody has a television studio in their pocket with their cell phones. No yes. You can have a group of 10 people sit down with a script and then film it using everybody's camera and be a very good quality production. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, It's amazing what you can do with a, with a iPhone or whatever. And and relatively cheap editing equipment or or program software. Oh, yeah. Relatively cheap. (laughs) That's the key word, relatively. Relatively. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I think uh, we can move on to another topic if we like at this point. Sure. Um, And I think we've already addressed it all. You know, what what are the challenges ahead for theater and community theater in particular? We've already discussed COVID to death, but I think outside of COVID, um, you know, we've already talked a little about the money. It's always one of the bigger issues out there. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything beyond that? I'm thinking along the terms of how does a group, for example, ensure quality? Um, it seems to me, you know, we, we've all been to a lot of shows out there and everybody's, everyone in the audience that night says it's wonderful, but we all know the truth is there are good shows out there and there are bad shows out there. And of course we support the theaters regardless of what they're doing. Uh, but, but how do you make sure there's more good shows than bad shows? Where does that start? Something 
ended when I started with players. Um, the Monroe Evening News at that time was under, um, oh, help me, Hamlin. Yes, Roy. Roy, Roy Hamlin, Hamlin. And who is very active in Monroe Community Players, as well as his wife. And they would make it a point to go see every show that was put on or it was in the area and would write a small column giving uh, their opinions. But they made it, normally they came on dress rehearsals. Or if it was just a late rehearsal, they would say mm -hmm. so in the article right away, you know, that this is what we saw. We really enjoyed this person's performance, this person, you know, it looks like she's giving her all and she's going to be wonderful by the time this goes up. Mm -hmm. And I think it really does come out that if there's no one monitoring the quality, anything will suffice. Yes. And so if there's no one giving a careful critique, um, all you hear is, oh, it was wonderful. Oh, you were so wonderful. Oh, my gosh, that was so wonderful. I can't, I want to sit down and see it again right now. <laughs> and meanwhile, when they go out to the restaurant afterwards, it's like, well, that was $20 down the toilet. <laughs> and you're going to hear wonderful things the night of the show. It's the comments that come out afterwards. Mm -hmm. And... Sometimes that critique was that voice afterwards. And I, yeah, I agree. And, and that's the problem. Community Theater Association, not to keep name dropping them, um, but they, of course, have an adjudication program, which does just what you say. You bring somebody in who's been trained to kind of be give, give responses. Um, that's always a worthwhile endeavor. We've, we've actually all been through that, I believe, um, certainly when we've participated in ActFest mm -hmm. by the American Association of Community Theaters, which was done a little differently this year because they could not do it in person um, which is a for those who don't know a theater competition that's held nationwide um, and it's great fun in my opinion we can talk about that in another podcast but I think you're right the, to get that honest feedback is very tough because for all of us working on a show for example I'm directing doubt right now and I can tell you right now it's gonna be the greatest production of doubt you've ever seen mm -hmm. well that's because I'm so invested in it Sure. And I probably shouldn't use this because they're going to hear me talk <laughs> about it. But, but the reality is, you know, I feel I've cast good, good people in it, mm -hmm. great actors, and everything's going to go well with that. But even a person who's cast, who doesn't have good directing experience, let's say, first time out, or, or frankly, there's a lot of people who just don't seem to have what I would consider the eye or the vision to be a director. Mm -hmm. They're going to watch it. They're going to put their heart and soul into it, and it's going to be the greatest thing they've ever done or seen too. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain blinders that come on, mm -hmm. and I've always always questioned. You know, there's shows that I've directed that, frankly, uh, I get chills thinking about. But I keep thinking, was it really that good? Did I misunderstand it? How did the rest of the audience see it? Mm -hmm. and, and I think I think the really the only way you can go by, frankly, is that applause at the end or during. Especially with musicals, there's, you know, oh, yeah. if you're not getting a couple spontaneous applauses during a musical, you're not doing some of those numbers right. Sure, sure. Um, I, yeah, I think you're right there. I, um, and, but you know, it doesn't hurt to, as a director, to have somebody that you that you respect mm -hmm. to come in during a, a couple of rehearsals and say, "Hey, just watch this. 
give me your honest opinion, you know, what you think. And having another eye there, assistant directors are always wonderful. Yes, I agree. For that, for that reason. Um, I, I also think I've always, I've always thought that the, the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles with that is if you cast, how you cast the show, if you cast, if you can cast the show perfectly with the right people in the right spots, in the right characters, you've you, half the show is made right oh, there. Oh, more ninety percent. Yeah, yeah, ninety percent. Yeah, good. I was going to go more, and then I thought, no, I better not. Oh no, it. put it out there. Put All it right. out there. All 90, right, I'll go ninety-five. Let's go ninety-five. Do, you want <laughs> Do I hear ninety-five? <laughs> well, and if we want to get into a little of that directing theory, um, but the reality is, you're probably not going to get your ideal person ever to try out. No. Not unless you work on it for a year. What I found is that people underestimate directors, inexperienced directors underestimate the time it takes to put a show together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't, I mean, I've been part of a play, and I'm wording this very carefully. (laughs) Talk to me afterwards, I'll tell you the truth. that the person was clearly inexperienced and would literally go to the script, which is in some respects a suggestion more than a edict at points, such as, well, the script says that you go left. Mm-hmm. Go left. Okay, you open the door at the left-hand side of the stage. Okay, there is no door on the left hand side you just so you just are we putting one up stage manager immediately we don't have another door what are you talking about and it becomes the part where the director is literally reading the stage directions that the company puts into the book to a, a set that it looks absolutely nothing like the one that's in the book that's been laid out if you use the information that the company gives you, this is the way odd couple, the perfect example. There is a, everybody knows the story and this is just basically the set. Everybody believes that you're supposed to have a step down from the entrance way because that's what they had on TV. Yeah. Yep. And in the movie and in the movie. So you got to have that there. Well, they didn't. And if they didn't do that, then they can't go off left because now that's a wall. But you moved it, she, the director moved it over two feet. But that's still not, it's the gag has to do with the door being opened and a plate of spaghetti splattering on the refrigerator door. Mm-hmm. The shock of everybody just, ah! because you don't see it. I mean, but the way they moved it is like, yes, you're right. That is exactly what the book said, but it's wrong for your production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and, and uh, I've always understood that those directions are often the stage manager's directions from the original production. And and the rea- uh, you're absolutely right, Bob. The I, reality is not every venue has the same dimensions, uh, has the same space. You may not be able to physically put a door someplace just because it says it's there because there's no room if you open that door you can't go anywhere mm-hmm. um, and that's funny because i uh you know i'm i'm working on uh directing a, a show for players in january uh, twilight of the golds 
and I've been doing research on a lot of different set designs, and and it's a set that basically is supposed to be uh, just a uh, apartment, Upper East Side apartment in New York City. Mm-hmm. But as I'm researching this, I've I've seen uh, productions that didn't have even enough space for that, and they just had two arches for entrances and exits. Now the show is pretty powerful in its words, so it, it it works. But again, they didn't they don't have that space for you know the kitchen door off here and the and the front door here and and uh, the big picture window that's supposed to look out onto Central Park and that. So they played it almost in uh, an, the way the one designer it fascinated me was that it was just almost Greek in in its style. It was just the arches. There were some some uh, one table and chairs, and then there were some uh, just wooden blocks that they sat stuff on and, and sat on. And it was it was very different. I don't, I would have liked to have seen how they actually did that production because the set itself was nothing like what the set is supposed to be. Right. But uh, you know, I I hope they pulled it off well because to me it was fascinating. Uh, but they did what they had to do with what they have. And, and I, I think, speaking as a playwright, certainly when I write a play, I have a space in in mind, mm-hmm. uh, a setting and time. But the first thing I give up on when is you know going to production is that space. Um, it's like here's when I need people to come in and talk, and here's when I need people to leave. But you know, the set designer I think has so much room for interpretation. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing some very tight sight gags and such, you know, mm-hmm. just because it says it goes off to the kitchen. Well, if you never mention the kitchen itself, it's just a door to somewhere. Right. Um, but, but that's where it's like, I, I really don't, as a playwright, when, when I'm writing a play, I don't spend a lot of time describing the scene. You know, I give the, I give the, hopefully the director what they need to know about the time and place mm-hmm. and where it's set. But it's like, you know, I'm not going to get into this couch has to be inlaid with pearl, mother of pearl handles or something like that. You know, yeah. it, it's going to be, it's a couch. Sure. Um, but, but in fact, I, I tend not to put in a lot of motion either. Mm-hmm. Um, from my view, it's like, you know, leave that to somebody who's actually going to produce it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, remember, I think it was Penny Notter of Grand Rapids, of mm. Civic Theater had that wonderful quote, there are no chairs in fairyland. Um, you know, as a director, and I'm, we're starting to ramble now. Yay, let's go. Um, <laughs> as long as know, I can get to my black hole. Yeah, one of the things that really annoys the heck out of me is when I see furniture and I don't see people. Mm-hmm. You know, people stand behind furniture. People are attracted to furniture. It's like I, like I don't even like people sitting in furniture. But having said that, directing Doubt, first two weekends of October 2021, Monroe Community Players. Uh, for more information, go to our website, MonroeCommunityPlayers.org. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, have them seated much at all. And mm-hmm. one of the challenges we have with Dowd, again, it's like, like Twilight of the Gold. It's a very powerful script. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of standing and talking. Mm-hmm. And how do you keep the audience interested in that? Um, acting. Acting. That's what, <laughs> what happens. But but I think that's the thing. And, and so when we, we go back to the idea of, how do you ensure quality? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things a lot of people don't take enough advantage of is is workshops that your theaters might be doing, that your state association is probably doing. I know the National Association does it at their festivals. Mm-hmm. Um, community colleges have classes on acting. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you're going to walk onto a stage and you know everything about acting, <laughs> I'll be blunt, you're wrong. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I've been at it, gosh, what, since fifth grade, which has been, you know, years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't know everything, and I still discover new things every time I get on the stage. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, and, and what thrills me as a director or is to watch other actors make those same discoveries and, and grow. Um, and especially, so like I say, the casting is, is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't cast the perfect person from the start as a director, you gotta be ready to guide them along to become the perfect person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and on that note, it's, or, or to, or you, another thing you can do. And I did this once when I directed up in uh, a group in Ypsilanti, I directed a uh, musical comedy murders, which we have done here, um, as well. And when I cast the, uh, the maid, or the, the was it the, the maid that turns out to be the German Secret Service? Yes, her. I cast Spoiler. her. <laughs> yeah, it's been out for a while. <laughs> uh, when I casted her, I, I I didn't have a really strong actor that I really really thought could do this, so I casted who I thought was the best of the bunch, mm-hmm. and she was horribly stiff. And no matter what I did. To try and loosen her up, she was just really, I, I, I didn't have it in me or she didn't have it in her. I, I'd rather blame myself, but I, it just didn't work out. So after about two weeks, I just changed the character to make her as stiff as possible. So she became this sort of, yeah. you know, would you like some more? And then she'd just shove it, you know, the food in front of their face. And, it, you know, I wanted her as stiff as possible because then it became, it actually became funny. The audience thought that was hilarious. I'd never seen it done that way, but it worked. Which, again, is the beauty of live theater. You're not seeing the same production over and over. Every time you see a production, it's different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like watching your favorite rerun on television. It's not like watching your favorite movie where you know the dinosaur is going to eat the person at this point in time. Right. Um, it, it, there's something that always changes, and I think that kind of discovery is what makes live theater so exciting. Mm-hmm. And it's also, you. I think you've hit upon that, how we ensure quality is by embracing the fact that it is a collaborative effort absolutely any director used to be saying you know directors are guides not gods well too many directors think they're gods not guides Mm -hmm. and it's like any director who's not willing to bend or be flexible and use the talents of the actor appropriately Mm -hmm. you're asking for failure sure you've got to be able to to work with what you have so to speak and and mold the show out of that Mm -hmm. um, from that what hopefully is the audience's perspective right. and, and really, really trust your instincts that if you don't like it, hope it's going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, um, getting the same consistency of performances. One story I do have about professionals is I used to live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I was very grateful when someone gave me two tickets to see Richard Harris in Camelot. Mm. It was wonderful. Everything was beautiful. Just outrageously perfect. And Richard Harris, who played King Arthur, has played King Arthur for about 35 years at that point. And he was still going strong. And it was one of his key songs, I Wonder What the King is Doing Tonight. And he goes through the first verse, and he stumbles on a couple of words. And it's like, wait a minute, no. Because if you're paying this much money to see this man 
do this show, which is an icon, iconic performance. It's like, what is going on? He waves his arms at the orchestra. Stop, stop. I have to say something. I cannot wait. I've forgotten the bloody lines. <laughs> I changed the word. And the, immediately the entire audience laughed and just laughed and laughed. Well, I suppose we should get on with it now. My apologies, everyone. And did it, and you felt like you were one in a million that you got to witness this. Oh, my God, he actually forgot. Oh, my God, it was wonderful. Can you believe we saw that? A friend of mine went to see it the next day. <laughs> Amazingly, Mr. Harris's amnesia hit at the exact same line, <laughs> the exact same time, and exactly the same words. So he gave consistent, but it made up for it with the audience's reaction, and that audience once again bonded and just loved everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and two things about that. Number one, I saw him. Uh, I saw that. In, in uh, the Masonic Temple down in Toledo, uh, way, way back in the yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he did that, but it was not with the song. He actually, with him and Pelinor, were doing the scene where they're talking while they're playing chess or something. I can't totally remember now. But uh, but he did that where he just, he stopped. And he goes, oh, bloody hell, I've forgotten the words. And, and Pelinor played off of that. And, of course, the audience was just eating it up. And he even actually acknowledged and said, oh, they like it. Let's just keep on going. But, but this is but something. I also want to say, your Richard Harris is amazing. I love Thank it. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you very much. And also, it should be said, kids, don't try this at home <laughs> or with a community theater group. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's I've like seen you, that. You bomb. can't get away from it. Get you away from cannot that. do that to the, everybody's character. Yeah. yeah, You have an entire cast. And not to mention your backstage crew who just went into heart failure. <laughs> right. Yeah, but but we 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 sometimes get a little too uh, full of ourselves in this community theater. And, what? And, yeah, I know. Um, I don't understand. Right? But but we, you know we have to remember we are not the icons of the stage, mm. and, and even though we may be you know legends in our own s small communities. Uh, you, there's very little you can get away with on stage like that. Oh, um, no. Because, no. because, again, we're in some ways held to a different standard. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one, one, we're not held to the same standard of, of the expectation. You know, they, they know the sets are not going to be as grand. The costumes aren't going to be quite the same. Sure. Um, so th we have that as an advantage going into it. Um, and they also know that, but they have this expectation, as you're saying, of a certain performance. And if you deviate from that, it's... You know, the people, same people who enjoyed that $100 plus ticket to mm. watch him forget his lines are going to, with their 10 or $15 ticket, come out and say, oh, what a piece of crap. Why did, you know, they couldn't even, they remember, couldn't even the lines. remember their lines. Yeah. Yeah. And they tried to make a joke about it. And, and, I, and, and I saw that on the very first show that I ever did with players. And, and uh, we had a, an actor who ad libbed a line one night. Oh, yeah. And the audience thought it was hilarious. And, and, I remember him being told, "Okay, that was kind of funny. Don't don't do it again." And he did it this, the next night, but on purpose because I do think he was, it was a more sure. of a reaction yes, the first sure. night. Yes, but that second night he did it because he went, "I got the laugh." Did it, and it was like I watched. I watched the tumbleweed go across the <laughs> stage as we waited for the laugh on the that. crickets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and and again, who knows what you're doing to your other actor? 
uh-huh. on stage with you, you may have pretended you forgot your lines, but something like that will throw another person right off and they will forget their lines. Absolutely. Hand in hand with that. It's also the director's duty to stay as close to the script as possible. Absolutely. You cannot go up to an actor day of dress rehearsal and whisper in your ear a new direction. Don't go to the door, go to the window, as an example. And then fail to tell everybody else in the cast that your blocking has been changed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because you want to see someone get really mad (laughs) when Peter Pan's not there, but over there. Yeah. It's going to happen. I only did that to you about five or six times. It was flying through the window. That was scary. Here we go, folks. We're putting the spotted plant here. No, it was a lamp. <laughs> who put this lamp? Yeah. But but who can remember? But who, we, we, who remembers such things? Who remembers that? 30, 40 years ago. What, what the heck? Oh, I wonder what the king is doing tonight. <laughs> So did, so did we solve that problem? No, we did not. But we I, sidestepped but, it, but, but hopefully easily. it gave some people some ideas. Um, uh, just to, I got to see how long do we have the studio for tonight? Uh, we have it for another eight minutes. Okay, then we should probably start to wrap up. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> it now, has, surprisingly fun. I hope it's been fun for the people listening as well. I did want to talk a little about, you know, obviously what's what's coming up um, in the area. Uh, mm-hmm. We've already touched upon Doubt, which is coming from Monroe Community Players. I talked a little about Something Rotten coming from the Toledo Rep. Um, did not do enough research on the calendar, and given the nature of podcasts, I'm not sure how timely calendars really are uh-huh. uh, because maybe people are listening to this 10 years from now. Uh, uh, but there's also a Community Theater Association Fall Conference coming up on October 2nd. So. And that's a 2021. That's what's that's that? What's of, that again? Uh, the Community Theater Association of Michigan Fall Conference. It's going to be live again this year in Midland, Michigan, mm. um, at their beautiful facility up there. Um, so people should go to ctaonline.org CTA, uh, for more information about that. It's always a great time, um, assuming that this gets aired before such a date. Um, but that's part of that going forward to ensure quality. Get some workshops in. There are plenty of resources out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I, I Yes, I'm going to circle back to the ensure quality one last time. Start with a decent script. Yes. You read a script. Yes. You know whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And and uh, you know start with a decent script. Yeah. Um, and you are a director, not a writer. Yeah. Yes. You, you can't really change it once, like Bob said. You got to stick to those words. Um, and that's a that's a good topic for another podcast because that's something the community theater can have an issue with if it is a show that is f- maybe not even full but if you've got a few f-bombs or a few yeah I agree. yeah you know it, let's put that down for another one let's put that down for another podcast because that's a that's i think that's important because i've seen it go both ways well and and frankly along with that the same thing as you know drama comedy musical what are you doing in your your season mm-hmm. um, you know are you doing this um, i wrote a blog you know people are interested in my blog i can certainly tell you where that is davidpwar.com and <laughs> w-a-h-r um but uh, a blog on you know why are you doing shows and if you're just doing shows to sell tickets i i'm going to suggest that you got a problem right right 
but but it, that's the kind of thing. And sometimes you have to sell shows to do tickets. Oh, absolutely. Or sell tickets to do shows. You got to sell to, shows. You got to make the yes. money. Yeah, uh-huh. you've got to have your Oklahomas and your yeah. your My Fair Ladies. And you said the O word. <laughs> I did say the O word, which is like the word I don't like to say. But, but I, yeah, I, I, I maintain you can do an Oklahoma, and you can still give the audience something new with it. Yes. Yes, definitely. I, I, yeah, you can combine it with Oak Calcutta, and you've got an old kind of different show. Well, and I shouldn't throw ideas out there, but I still want to do Oklahamlet. Oklahoma. Oklahamlet. Oklahamlet. The other, the other script that I was working about, you know, so and so's community theater production of Oklahoma, and the one guy who wants to do Hamlet. And and watch what goes wrong when we're, we're singing about Copenhagen and the wind whipping across the sea. Um, I like but I, that. But I'm not sure how far one can get away with sometimes on copyright law. Not very. <laughs> yeah. Not very with the... Um, I think you're okay with Bill, but I, I'm not sure about the people with Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sondheim owns that now, I think. Yeah, well, and that, that again is a topic for another time as well. So, mm-hmm. so with wrapping that up... Um, I think this is our first podcast. We may ramble on too much, but we will be back in again and uh, try this another time. So we are the Green Room Groupies with the Mineral Community Players podcast. Until next time, I guess. Ciao. See you later. See you later. Cut. We got we to um, have some sort of sign. Save the center seat for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a small bladder. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great way to end it. That'll do it. <laughs> All right.